You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Quantum of Solace, which came out in 2008 and was directed by Mark Forster. It stars Daniel Craig, Olga Kurilenko, Matthew Amorek, Giancarlo Giannini, Gemma Arterton, Jeffrey Wright, David Harbour, Jesper Christensen, Joaquin Cosio, Rory Kinnear, and Judi Dench. The genre would be spy action thriller. I heard so much about you from Vespa. If she hadn't killed herself, we would have had you too. Are you going to tell us who you work for? The first thing you should know about us is that we have people everywhere. I thought I could trust you. You said you weren't motivated by revenge. I'm motivated by my duty. I think you're so blinded by inconsolable rage that you don't care who you hurt. When you can't tell your friends from your enemies, it's time to go. You don't have to worry about me. Restrict Bond's movements. Put a stop on his passports. Find Bond. As a longtime diehard Bond fan, I get why folks dislike this so fervently when it first came out. Though I don't agree that it's remotely bad in and of itself. Yes, it feels at times like a bit of a letdown after the glorious heights of Casino Royale, which had come out two years prior. And yes, some of the action is poorly shot, and often too choppily edited. And yes, the main villain, Dominic Green, who is played effectively with dead-eyed sleaze by Matthew Almorek, is seemingly on the surface not particularly threatening. Mr. Bond. What a pleasure. Well, careful with this one. She won't go to bed with you unless you give her something she really wants. It's a shame because she's really quite stunning once you get her on her back. I wish I could say the feeling was mutual. I'm sorry, Mr. Green, but we have to go. Please, my friends call me Dominique. I'm sure they do. How much do you know about Bond, Camille? Because he's rather a tragic case. His MI6 says he's difficult to control. Nice way of saying that everything he touches seems to wither and die. Shall we? Doesn't bode well for you, I'm afraid. You two do make a charming couple, though. You're both, what's the expression? Damaged goods? But I still find the film to be a lean, mean revenge thriller to go alongside previous episode License to Kill as one of the more misunderstood Bond films. It has loads of style and just an overall darker vibe, which I feel actually seizes on the journey that we are watching this character take. And the cold place that Bond finds himself in after Vesper's betrayal and death at the end of Casino Royale. Sit down. It's okay, baby. You're Canadian. You work in Canadian intelligence. It's all right, I know you do. And knowing this man, 
I guess you have access to some very sensitive material, which you're going to be forced to give up. His life will be threatened, and because you love him, you won't hesitate. It's a beautiful necklace. Did he give it to you? Yeah, one just like it. He gave it to a friend of mine. Someone very close to me. Corinne, I suggest you leave now. You contact your people and you tell them to check their seals. They have a leak. Do it now, please. This man and I have some unfinished business. This really is a direct continuation of Casino Royale. And this was also the first time that we had seen that done in this franchise. I quite like the feeling of just kind of being thrust into a story that's already started. And with that comes confidence in the filmmaking. Sometimes too much confidence. Mark Forrester directed this, and to say he has had a varied career is an understatement. Before this, he directed Monster's Ball, Finding Neverland, and a film which I feel is one of the more underrated comedies of recent years, Stranger Than Fiction, starring Will Ferrell. Like or dislike these films, they are all at the very least well-crafted, but they're not subtle either. And that certainly does carry over into Quantum. All of it was shot on location. I mean, several gorgeous locations, and it's all shot handsomely. But yes... Forster loves his visual metaphors, of which this film has no shortage of. Among the most egregious examples of this is an early action sequence where Bond is chasing an enemy operative on the rooftops of Siena, Italy. The sequence itself seems all shot in camera, with some damn impressive stunt work too. But throughout this sequence, which is already choppily edited, the camera keeps cutting back with lots of up-close shots of the Palin de Siena horse race nearby. Horse race. Because Bond is as determined as a horse? The danger that the spectators find themselves in resembles this new danger presented by Quantum, which is the criminal organization who he's investigating. I mean, you got me. It's somewhat clunky and on the nose. Overall, the film does work a lot more than it doesn't, and most of the supporting cast does as well. Judy Dench is once again enjoyably biting, playing M, increasingly exasperated that Bond keeps killing every new lead early on in the movie. You might like to tell her your theory about there being no oil. Her lungs are full of it. It was green. No doubt, but why? It's just misdirection. I mean, why her, Bond? She was just supposed to send you home. She worked in an office, collecting reports. Look how well your charm works, James. They'll do anything for you, won't they? How many is that now? And I still think that Olga Kurilenko plays one of the more underrated Bond girls as Camille, who was sort of a tougher version of Melina from For Your Eyes Only. So what is it that Green has that you want? It's not Green, it's Medrano, the man I met in Haiti. My father worked for the military junta. He was a very cruel man, but he was my father. When I was a small child... The opposition sent General Medrano to our house. He shot my father. We did things to my mother and my sister. And I strangled them while I watched. I was too young to be in trouble. So he just smiled at me and set the house on fire. He left his mark. So when I pulled you off the boat? I waited years for that chance. An assassin on the hunt for the murderer of her parents, but also with more agency and depth. She has a few genuinely affecting moments in the third act, and pretty solid non-romantic chemistry with Craig as well. Now as for that final climax, which I know often gets derided because of the absurd flammability of that desert hotel, all attributed to, quote, unstable hydrogen fuel cells, 
Well, I kind of still dig it in its simplicity and how striking it looks. It's a pretty economical action sequence that fits the tone of this movie. Well, hard to believe that it's been that long, but happy 15th anniversary to one of the more underrated Bond films. I promise that you let you go. I answered your questions. I told you what you wanted to know about Quantum. Yes, you did. And your friends would know that, so they're probably looking for you. But the good news is, you're in the middle of a desert. Here. I bet you make it 20 miles before you consider drinking that. Goodbye, Mr. Green. This brings me to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. Okay, I know I'm in the minority, but I actually really like the title song from Jack White and Alicia Keys. I don't quite understand the hate for it either. It's kind of batshit, but it has a good hook, and it really works with the imaginative, mostly desert and sand-themed opening credit sequence. And the song I'm of course referring to is Another Way to Die. And I get it. It sounds kind of off-kilter at times. Those guitar riffs can be off-putting for some. The vocals from Keys and White might not complement each other quite as well as the most legendary duets. I mean, duets can be tricky, but it just works for me. I always found it quite catchy. Interestingly, this also happens to be the last Bond theme to actually not win Best Original Song at the Oscars during the year of its release. So yeah, since then, they've actually had a pretty good streak going, with ballads, all ballads since then. Adele's Amazing Skyfall, the drippy, rhythmless writings on the wall from Sam Smith for Spectre, and Billie Eilish's solid No Time to Die from the movie of the same name. I mean, hey, ballads are good, but I'm always up for a Bond theme that rocks a bit. And this one does. The next category would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Both Jesper Christensen and Jeffrey Wright both make the most with limited screen time as returning characters. Each has their share of good lines, too. Regimes change once a week down here. Not that I'm only no dirtier than the next guy. Oh, you see, that's what I like about U.S. intelligence. He'll lie down with anybody, including you, brother. Including you. Although, I think one of the bigger disappointments from this Craig run of Bonds will be just how underutilized Jeffrey Wright has been as Felix Leiter. In fact, Jeffrey Wright would actually not return again until three movies later. And at least in No Time to Die, we get to see Bond and Leiter finally get to share one 
action sequence together. It just always nagged me, though, that Wright happens to be by far the best actor to play this particular character, which is basically Bond's counterpart in the CIA. I just would have liked to have seen these two brothers in arms share more scenes together, as both actors actually had really nice chemistry. They have one brief but clever interaction at that Bolivian bar towards the end of the movie, though it remains a comic highlight for this movie, especially hearing Leiter call out the Brits. The next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scener moment that best describes this movie. Now, even though I wish that he could have actually shot this film more fluidly, undoubtedly Mark Forrester's visual flair, with an assist from cinematographer Roberto Schaefer, is a big reason why this film's best scene works. And that would be when Bond infiltrates a secret top meeting of the Quantum Organization, their higher ups led by Dominic Green, at a high-end production of Tosca, the opera, black tie event. So we actually get to see Bond wear his tux. We see close-ups of the production, and some of what happens is admittedly pretentiously shot in sequence with the orchestra music, but damn if it's just not such a gorgeous sequence. Also presenting a very clever 21st century version, using Bluetooth headpieces no less, of the type of villains boardroom planning meetings that we have seen in Bond films going back to Goldfinger. You know, with all the guys around the table and the big diorama? Well, this is kind of a new 21st century version of it. How much more pipeline do we need? I did a... 2,000 kilometers. Are there any objections? No. Not here. No objections. Transfer the funds from our Siberian holdings. Done. Where do the Americans stand? Well, the CIA doesn't care about another dictator as long as they get their hand. But when they find out that they've been duped, I'm working on that. I'm not sure that the Tierra project is the best use of Quantum's time. Perhaps we should shift our focus to the Canadian. This is the world's most precious resource. We need to control as much of it as we can. And seeing how Bond, listening in, finally just breaks up the meeting to grab a few snaps with his phone of their highest-ranking members, which he also sends to MI6, well, it's probably one of the few audience-pleasing moments in a generally grimmer-toned movie. Bolivia must be top priority. Can I offer an opinion? I really think you people should find a better place to meet. Where do you think you're going? I just love this sequence, all the visuals, especially a silent, brief standoff from across a stairwell of Bond and Green for the first time. And Green's eyes just kind of bugging out when it happens. And now the final category, which would be the MVP, the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Undoubtedly, much has been reported since this film's release. It made made good money, but the reviews were kind of mixed. It was considered a letdown after Casino Royale by most who saw it. Well, much of that was attributed to how it was affected by the previous writer's strike. You know, we just had one this year. Well, the last one was from the fall of 2007 to the spring of 2008. And indeed, the film's script was definitely unfinished when filming started. So they had to rewrite it on the fly, but with no screenwriters. 
And Forrester, for all his strengths as a filmmaker, was clearly not an ideal choice for this being his first big, big budget movie. The location stuff just kind of got away from him. And yes, since then, there is no one who you will hear disavowing this movie more than the star himself, who even got in on the rewrites during production. But here's the thing. Cast all that negative talk aside, and rewatching this again, I once again realized that Daniel Craig is damn good in this movie. Yeah, it kind of sucks how we can't always get a clear view of what's going on, but his physical work in this movie, the fighting, the running, the stunt work, is just as exemplary as his work in the previous film. And despite having probably less dialogue in this movie than any other Bond film that he's been in, Craig plays everything with the perfect balance of edge and wit. Bond is very much an often stolid man on a mission throughout, but his brief interactions with M, with Leiter, Mathis, and Camille carry some genuine weight especially one towards the end which just momentarily presents the Bond character in a mode that we rarely see him in, as a mentor. Have you ever killed someone? The training will tell you that when the adrenaline kicks in, you should compensate. But part of you is not going to believe the training because this kill is personal. Take a deep breath. You only need one shot. Make it count. Now, would I have liked a bit more meat on the bone from this character in this movie? You bet. This movie could have likely used another actually 10 to 15 minutes of characters being fleshed out, including his. But I found what was provided to always be engaging. There is definitely a compelling arc at the end of this movie for the Bond character, from the beginning of Casino Royale. This guy is more hardened and a bit wiser. He also learns how he doesn't always have to be such a blunt object to get the job done. For gracefully maturing into the role of 007, and for elegantly carrying this admittedly slighter entry in the franchise with a strong performance, Daniel Craig is the MVP. Is he still alive? He is. I'm surprised. Did you find what you were looking for? Yes. Good. I assume you have no regrets. I don't. What about you? Of course not. It would be unprofessional. They found Green dead in the middle of the Bolivian desert of all places. Two bullets in the back of his skull. They found motor oil in his stomach. Does that mean anything to you? Wish I could help. Congratulations, you were right. About what? About Vesper. Ma'am. Bond? I need you back. I never left. My rating for Quantum of Solace would be 3.75 stars out of 5. At the end of the day, was this a bit too influenced by the recent Bourne movies? As the Bourne trilogy, the first three movies, had actually been wrapped up the year before. Well, I would say yes, but that's actually nothing new for this franchise. I mean, the Bond franchise has always ridden the trends. Whether it be the success of a Star Wars, a Jaws, a recent Kung Fu or exploitation craze, this franchise has always been influenced by the surrounding marketplace. And at this point in time, in the early 2000s, those Bourne films had admittedly redefined the action genre, so I get why they did it. But as a darker epilogue to Casino Royale, I think this movie generally succeeds. And I'm still a bit disappointed that we never got to see whatever extravagant setting that they would use for that next Quantum meeting. That would have been cool. And if you're looking to watch Quantum of Solace, it is currently streaming on Prime Video and DirecTV. And that ends Another Way to Die review. 
please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.